Welcome to the Sultans of Slam for May 17th, 2020 on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Lee here, your one and only host, as we work through this volume of Sultans of Slam, where one man reviews AEW Dynamite, The Big Show Show, and Total Bellas. This week we have the May 13th edition of AEW Dynamite. We have episode 6 of The Big Show Show, and we have episode 7 of Total Bellas. A great long weekend here in Manitoba. Uh, yesterday was me and my wife's five-year wedding anniversary. We went out to uh, Bridges Golf Course. We were wed to find that for the first time since the pandemic started, they would be opening the patio with a limited food menu as well as first full-service bar. What a lovely surprise, uh, as we were just going to go kind of see the grounds and the, the altar area and take some pictures and just go for a ride to get out of the house to find that we can have a delicious lunch at Bridges Golf Course. So thank you, hats off to those people. And uh, to my lovely wife, to another five, if not more years. (laughs) Keep it rolling. Uh, So, a great episode of AEW Dynamite this week, in my opinion. Uh, The weather here has really taken a turn, so I just got through watching AEW Dynamite and Total Bells before recording this. So maybe it'll be a little fresher in my mind and I'll have uh, some more things to pick apart for it. Uh, but the weather, uh, J- Jesus, usually May long weekend here, uh, five years ago, me and my wife were married that night, torrential downpour turned into a blizzard overnight on May 17th. Uh, and we had uh, like a foot of snow, wet snow the day after. So we're having 26 degrees right now. Everybody's outside planting flowers, hopefully social distancing and having a great time. Uh, so everybody out there locally in Manitoba, this one's for you. A Pipolini punch, AKA a pipeline punch. From Monster, which is now the energy drink that's on sale at my local convenience store. So we've changed allegiances. Uh, this is a... Uh, <laughs> I just review uh, energy drinks here at the start of the show, apparently. Uh, yeah. What was it got? Guava? Yeah. Guava juice flavored energy drink. Absolutely delicious. Mm. No killer grape, but who is? Let's get to the show. We have the intro to AW Dynamite. Which now includes a lot of new edits uh, from recent weeks, including Sammy being absolutely murdered by a golf cart that I can see over and over again, so good job there. Faces and heels, jobbers line the barricades. Uh, straight to the action, uh, we have JR, Excalibur, Tony on uh, commentary. Nice to have those three together. Lance Archer's music plays. He emerges from the back murdering someone, a teamster or jobber wrestler from the back, just throwing them around. Uh, Jake the Snake is here to apologize. Uh, only he doesn't apologize. Uh, I, I want to say here that the crowd has really good reactions. Uh, I think they had some like producers and kids and just people uh, related to the production sitting in an area kind of off to the side of the ring providing some faraway uh, sound. And I don't know if they were just mic'd properly or they were being picked up on the ring mics. Whatever the case, in this particular episode of AEW Dynamite, the crowd sounded really good. They were reacting to things in the way a large crowd would, just on a smaller scale, and the sound mix was perfect. It uh, truly made me, at times, forget there, there is no crowd, or I'm just that used to it now. That's the, the creepy part, is when there's a, a, a crowd again, I'll be like, oh yeah, shit, of course. Um, Jake the Snake says that the ring is no man's land and uh, laying his snake upon brandy is just something that's going to happen. He goes on to say that women are great in the home for cooking, wiping baby's bum, 
and uh, on the long cold nights keeping him warm. And uh, Cody's time is up. It's time the the age of the Lance Archer is upon us. We hear an engine revving in the middle of Jake the Snake's promo here. Uh, we cut over to Cody, who is sitting in his truck, revving his truck. I think there was uh, some editing or a timing thing off here. As Cody revs his truck and revs his Ford F-150 uh, to crash through a single barricade and a pile of chairs. I think that was more meant to be we hear the sound and then we see Cody in motion uh, when we cut to him. But he's just sitting there. So it looks like he accelerates to like uh, 15 miles per hour to, to knock down these chairs. Uh, which is kind of lame. But whatever, Cody is fired up. Uh, him and Lance Archer fight outside the ring. Cody is trying to get at Jake the Snake. Uh, Lance Archer sweeps Cody's legs on the apron uh, as he tries to get to to Jake. Uh, there is some braid pulling, some light braid pulling uh, on Lance Archer by Cody. In the ring, Lance Archer and Cody break out of each other's moves. And Jake and Lance Archer retreat after that. Uh, good little spot. Uh, feels fired up. Looking forward to what happens here at the pay-per-view for the TNT Championship. Tonight, Brody Lee versus Christopher Daniels, the Fallen Angel. Will we hear from Moxley, whose belt, strap, championship, heard it referred to as all three on this show, uh, was taken by Brody Lee last week. Chris Jericho versus Pineapple Pete, who is billed here as Pineapple Pete, even though I believe his name is, was it Suge D or something like that? Uh, and he cuts a promo, like a little video promo later, and we'll talk about that. MJF's first match since his horrible in- injury uh, that left him with a, a hangnail or something after betting with Sean Spears on that first uh, first show. Four-way women's match. Hikaru Shida, Penelope Ford, Britt Baker, and Chris Statlander tonight. We'll also have Santana and Ortiz. Uh, we'll have Kenny Omega and uh, Matt Hardy teaming up again to fight them. Jurassic Express and the Best Friends, along with their accoutrement, uh, Marco Stunt and Orange Cassidy. Uh, Now we get a tag team recap video letting us know about the division, who's involved, where everybody's at. During this video, uh, a line is let slip, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno are missing. Uh, And it was never really followed up on. They are just, uh, Brody Lee has come in running roughshod all over the the AEW. And his his, his right hand and left hand men, as they were, uh, have gone missing. Mentions uh, of the Lucha Brothers, even though they are no longer the Lucha Brothers, they are Death Triangle. Uh, also, just uh, Ray Phoenix uh, on this show, uh, so no Lucha Brothers as a unit either. Uh, first, uh, not really first match, but I guess, yeah, no, yeah, it is. This is the first wrestling match? Yeah, Cody and Lance Archer were just uh, playing some grab-ass. Uh, Jurassic Express versus Best Friends. Uh, for its good fun, I have written here, uh, Trent and uh, Luchasaurus tag in. A couple hard shots, a couple slaps, chops uh, from these two big boys. Uh, it was just, <laughs> so we get a uh, tope suicida. Only it is interrupted. Uh, to which Excalibur calls it a tope interruptus, uh, which which Tony Schiavone absolutely loves. Uh, as Luchasaurus is uh has caught Trent, tope interrupted him. Uh, the best friends counter for a double suplex outside the ring. Uh, they hug. You got to give the people what they want. But here comes Jungle Boy with a flip outside the ring of his own. Uh, back from break, Orange Cassidy getting fired up on the ramp is murdered by Ray Phoenix out of nowhere with a hell of a kick to the face or the back of the head of Orange Cassidy here, uh, and that's going to set up uh, the ladder match that's taking place at the pay per view. And we'll get to that later. MJF attacks Jungle Boy uh, on on the outside of the ring, tosses him back into the ring to be pinned. Wardlow kills Marco Stunt. Luchasaurus is there to cover Marco uh, and protect him from the Wardlow. 
This is a reminder that the casino ladder match, uh, which more or less is functioning as a uh, money in the bank only, instead of getting a contract, you just get a uh, championship opportunity. Ray Phoenix will be part of that. Orange Cassidy as well. Uh, So that's what that was setting up there. Uh, Mox's belt was stolen. Uh, He arrives pissed as hell, I have written here. Specifically, I have written, he arrives pissed ass hell, uh, which is a whole nother thing. Women's four-way, good 1v1 exchanges, lots of lots of moves here, not a lot of, everything kind of looked fine. Um, you limit the amount of time each of these four are kind of fighting against each other, but all of them are, are fine on their own, could carry a 1v1 match. This was fine, uh, you get a lot of, of variety uh, in a match like this. Uh, Sheeta breaks a pin, we are reminded that the one who scores the pin is the one who's going to move on to the championship opportunity. Suplex uh, spot, rather a super suplex spot. Uh, Chris Stantlander looking very strong. Sheeta with a flying knee to her, though. Uh, Baker with a Canadian destroyer uh, on on Chris Stantlander here. Uh, Penelope Ford, absolute smoke show. Beautiful cutter on Baker. Uh, Dodges Sheeta. Uh, They exchange moves. There is a Penelope Ford Kip Sabian kiss spot, uh, which results in Sheeta going for a roll-up, which uh, Penelope Ford is able to kick out of. Falcon Arrow, uh, Chris Stantlin there breaks this one up. Sheeta, uh, with Penelope Ford on her shoulders, hits her with the backbreaker, the running knee, uh, for the one, two, three. Meanwhile, we hear screaming, and is revealed on the outside of the ring, Baker has her hand all up in Chris Statlander's mouth. And it's, in fact, Chris Statlander we hear screaming. Uh, so Baker, as a heel, taking out a uh, grudge using her submission outside the ring and effectively loses a championship opportunity, making her look like a bit of a, a geek in this scenario. Uh, we hear from Pineapple Pete. For 16 years, he's been uh, scraping uh, for anything in this industry uh, by the name Shug D. Uh, Chris Jericho has no respect for that name. Uh, blah, blah, blah. This was as far as a, uh, a setup for a squash, squash match or a squash match, as I like to call it here. Uh, this was fantastic. And another example of Chris Jericho, just, there's no reason not to get everybody over at any point, unless it's a Lee Johnson, uh, who in his own right is getting talked up on commentary and isn't treated as a joke. Because if you keep treating these kind of wrestlers as jokes and you're trying to put over your top guys against these guys regularly, as continues to happen on these shows, uh, adding that little bit of credibility, like, unless it's Braun Strowman, when he was doing his squashes, just because we hadn't seen squashes so long in WWE, when he was coming out and just killing a local guy uh, in seconds, that was that was a fun carnival fun. Uh, this is, is not quite that. These are guys of all shapes and sizes you need to get over. Uh, and I really like the the respect, as it were, in disrespect, that Chris Jericho is putting this guy down based on his pineapple shirt appearance. Uh, but ultimately here gives him a really good rub for a nothing. Uh, you'll see what I mean. Okay. At double or nothing, it has been announced we will have Nyla Rose versus Sheeta. Right on. Uh, Proud and Powerful versus Kenny Omega and uh, Matt Hardy. Kenny is jumped on the ramp. Matt Hardy's theme plays. Uh, he slowly enters. We are told this is Damascus. Uh, a pretty great match. Just good good fun. Uh, Snapdragon suplex from Kenny. Twist of Fate, which is a just... When when guys are bumping for the Twist of Fate uh, like it matters, goddamn does it look good. And man, can you not ask for better bumpers uh, than Santana, Ortiz, Sammy Guevara. Uh, all these guys are absolutely fantastic. Well done. 
Uh, I have written here, Santana Ortiz, so good. Uh, I, I kind of like stopped taking notes at a certain point and just enjoyed the match. Uh, it's nice to see Santana Ortiz, who are looking fantastic. Ring gear's looking fucking tight. Uh, butterfly submission, uh, Matt Hardy on Ortiz. Sammy Guevara in a neck brace, absolutely fucked up from his uh, collision with the golf court last week. Uh, comes stumbling down to the ring. Matt Hardy hits him with a twist of fate. V trigger to Ortiz, who's sitting up on the ropes, and Matt Hardy puts him away with a one, two, three. Some delete chants, some pointing of gun fingers, and we are done with that segment. Taz and Darby Allen uh, backstage again. Darby Allen will be part of that ladder match I mentioned earlier with Ray Phoenix and Orange Cassidy. That match is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, all those guys are going to be trying to one-up each other, and I hope everyone is safe and puts on a fa- fucking fantastic show. Uh, Taz apologizes to Darby Allen. Uh, for doing the thing he does again in this uh, vignette. Darby Allen uh, reminds him that he knows about wrestling, he doesn't need his help, and marches away. I don't know what this is building to. I'm intrigued. I don't know if it's just a filler so Darby Allen can be on the shows where he's not wrestling, or that Taz will come into... will have something to do with this ladder match. I have no idea. Uh, I It's AEW, so I assume it's going somewhere. Uh, we, uh, we now are told that the ladder match so far consists of Ray Phoenix... Uh, one Darby Allen, Orange Cassidy, and Cole Cabana. Looking like a good match. Lexi is backstage interviewing Sheeta. Uh, Sheeta says, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, her match at the pay-per-view. Nyla pops in and cracks her in the face with a kendo stick and says, I found your kendo stick, bitch. Uh, and that was the end of that segment. MJF with Wardlow versus Lee Johnson. Uh, we also are going to get Ray versus Orange Cassidy next week. A uh, little pre-pay-per-view uh, blow-off. I'm assuming some of the other guys in that ladder match will probably get involved in that match. MJF has never been pinned or submitted in AEW. He is the most winningest wrestler in AEW or something like that. Uh, he taunts Lee, asking him to make himself famous. Shoulder breaker into a submission. MJF wins this one, asks that his music be cut. And uh, he cuts a promo. Uh, yeah, it's great. MJF is fantastic. Uh, there are so many great young performers on this show, uh, and it, 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 there's so much life and energy in this show, even without the crowd. I was having a good time watching this. Chris Jericho versus Pineapple Pete. Chris Jericho comes to the ring wearing a Pineapple Pete shirt. This is the fucking stuff I'm talking about. Pete goes to town to start. Jericho's selling for Pineapple Pete as he just barrages Chris Jericho with punches here. Chris Jericho eventually uh, regains his composure, hits a Judas effect for a 1-2-3, a perfect squash match, and Pineapple Pete can pop up again in a later episode and job to anyone else, and he's fully credible, even though he just, like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, I would like to see more Pineapple Pete, even though he just got completely laid out by Chris Jericho. Uh... The Elite uh, is missing uh, <laughs> most of it. This is Chris Jericho after this. Uh, him and the Inner Circle, who is uh, beaten down. We have uh, Sammy Guevara, who already was injured uh, and has now uh, suffered another finisher tonight. Uh, Santana Ortiz, after just losing. Uh, the only one in uh, in fight and shape here is one Jake Hagar. Uh, and I guess the baseball bat, which is now the sixth member of the Inner Circle. Chris Jericho says the, the Elite is missing. Most of them are gone. Paige is bushwhacking. The Young Bucks are pouting. Uh, he cuts a A-plus promo here, and he invites them to a stadium stampede match, uh, which will be the Inner Circle versus the Elite, and this is basically the answer to the War Games match. We can't have this many men in a cage that close together for that period of time. What if the match just took place instead of a cage in an entire stadium? Uh, and the, the, the things they could do 
with that. Uh, we just saw Money in the Bank, or some people saw. I didn't end up watching it myself. Uh, Money in the Bank that took place uh, all through Titan Towers uh, through the WWE. Let's see what AEW's got. They did that backstage thing with the golf cart and uh, fighting in the in the mezzanine and stuff there. I thought it was all really good. Uh, so we're looking forward to this. And cool compromise. We can always do the War Games match anytime down the line. Uh, this way we deliver those guys in a match together. Uh, it, great. Good idea. Vanguard 1 appears. He's got Chris Jericho's shirt from when Chris Jericho offered Vanguard 1 a spot in the inner circle. Uh, Chris Jericho tells him that he resends the invitation as they have Floyd, their sixth member, Floyd the baseball bat. The inner circle then proceeds to destroy Vanguard 1. And they beat down Vanguard 1, the drone, as if he was a wrestler. And uh, I had heard about this segment, and uh, people were kind of like short. So this was absolutely fantastic. Not only did this drone bounce about the ring and off this baseball bat, as both Sammy Guevara, Chris Jericho, everybody bashed the shit out of this thing. When they get this thing down for good and it's in pieces, they are all, like, standing around it, just, like, stomping a mud hole in it. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, Matt Hardy appears. Uh, the inner circle, who are at a 5-1 uh, advantage here, slink away. As they know, uh, they leave Matt Hardy in his grief. Uh, Matt Hardy picks up the pieces of Vanguard 1. And this guy, uh, listen, I've been on record saying this goofy Matt Hardy thing, eh, in Impact. I never got it. Uh, this has all been fine. Matt Hardy on the show, the way he wrestles, his character, how it integrates with Kenny Omega, who is himself goofy when you think about it. Uh, and this thing with this fucking drone here was perfect. It was excellent. Very well done. Is announced that the women's pay-per-view match will be no disqualification. Uh, so if you want to crack someone in the head with a kendo stick, you go right ahead. Brody Lee uh, versus Moxley recap. Rather, it was 10 versus Moxley or whatever was happening. Uh, next week, we will have Marco versus MJF. We will have Jake the Snake and Arn Anderson face-to-face. We will have Ray uh, Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy. We'll have Moxley versus Ten from the Dark Order. We'll have Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. And Iron Mike Tyson will be presenting the title, the TNT Championship, at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Uh, and we'll hear more about that after the show. And uh, as we all heard the announcement, Mike Tyson, who has been doing nothing in this pandemic except for lifting weights, uh, he's apparently looking to come back to boxing but why the fuck not? He's Mike goddamn Tyson. If he feels up to returning to boxing, I say we do it. Uh, Alright, main event. SCU Chris Daniels versus Brody Lee. JR explains uh, that Brody is only fourth ranked uh, for the AW Championship. Uh, yet he took the title from Moxley here. Uh, he, he got to Moxley's face and got his title opportunity. And that's one way to do it. To jump in line. Uh, Brody Lee here with some good heel heat is wearing uh, the AEW title as he comes to the ring. He hands it to his lackeys. Uh, we get an Arabian moonsault from Chris Daniels here. Uh, Brody kicks out at zero from this move. Not even a one count. The ref like laid down, got his hand in the air. And that was it. Uh, we, we have a plug here for Shaq Life. Which will be on after AEW Dynamite, so stay tuned for that. Or don't. Uh, they put Brody over as being big but athletic, which he is. Uh, Brody Lee and uh, and uh, Luchasaurus. That's the that's the clash. That's the clash I want. Chris Daniels uh, with some good offense here. Angels wings. Brody kicks out at one. Uh, second attempt is blocked. Moonsault from Chris Daniels. One two near fall. Kick out. 
Brody counters a jumping Chris Daniels with a power bomb. Uh, fucking fires up the discus lariat here for a one, two, three. Excuse me. Brody Lee asks Dasha uh, to announce him as the self-proclaimed champion. Moxley appears, attacks Dark Order jobbers. Brody and Ten escape with the belt. Mox grabs a mic, does not su- does not suffer disrespect. Uh, likes the Moxie, as it were, of uh, of Brody Lee and what he's done here. Does not like the disrespect of him taking and wearing the belt and calling himself champion before earning it. You're going to pay for it with interest. He cuts a promo here. There's going to be a fucking hailstorm of violence. Threatens to end Brody's career before it's even begun. And beats on some Dark Order followers. And this show goes off the air. Not the go-home show for the pay-per-view. Uh, next week is. Looking forward to it and looking forward to that pay-per-view. The Big Show Show... Wasting no time. Let's just get on with it here. The Big Show Show, episode uh, six of season one. You can watch this on Netflix or don't. Uh, Cassie is still trying to sell that haunted house uh, that she is now have, has the rights to sell. She was fired from her real estate company uh, for not disclosing that this house was haunted to a, uh, a buyer who was interested. Somehow she's able to take this house with her to sell independently. Uh, there's a WWE cruise, which I don't know if exists. Uh, it sounds like it might have been a corporate cruise uh, from some jokes later on. Maybe those exist. I don't know. Uh, it is also Big Show and Cassie's anniversary. Big Show's got plans to fuck his wife on this uh, on this ship. And his wife is very busy uh, and doesn't seem uh, really thrilled about getting to go on this cruise. Which is a work cruise with the Big Show. Alright. The kids and Big Show, they discuss the cruise and how Mom uh, will probably hate this idea, as I just said. Uh, Cassie quizzes Lola on uh, babysitting, and that was a scene that happened. There were probably jokes told in there. I don't recall laughing. Sisters hanging out alone. They discuss Taylor Swift, who Mandy, the middle sister, who is running for president. Uh, uh, They say that she needs to be cool. Uh, She needs to show the student body uh, that she's just a laid-back one of them, the same way Taylor Swift is effortlessly cool with both his name, Taylor Swift, uh, Party Low is back, baby. Lola refers to herself as Party Low back in Minnesota. Back in Minnesota, uh, used to throw a ton of parties and is known as a real bad bitch. So we're going to have parents are out of the house. Kids are going to throw a party cliche. Big Show pays 700 plus night, uh, plus tax a night uh, for the presidential suite on this cruise that looks like a bad sitcom set. Cassie... Uh, is what? She has an offer on the house, the haunted house. She has an offer. She gets a call on the ship. Got an offer on the house. She's got to go. Thankfully, Mark Henry is here. The world's strongest man, Mark Henry, is here. Cassie leaves. Uh, Mark Henry with Big Show. I have Mark Henry here abbreviated as MH, which is also my abbreviation for Matt Hardy, believe it or not. That's going to be confusing for the rest of this uh so they leave them together and the massage therapist show up they had booked a big show had booked a couple's massage and his wife is now on the phone uh why waste the massage says mark henry and the two giant men presumably strip naked and be begun uh getting rubbed by these poor massage therapists party time (laughs) i have written here Tapeworm plus two girls. I don't know what that is referring to. I think it's referring to a specific joke that is told in this scene that I have no recollection of. So I'm just going to read through this uh, as it's written. Tapeworm plus two girls suddenly houses Boppin. 
Uh, so I think the joke was there are two girls that are Mandy's friends anyways that showed up. Uh, and then someone accredited... Oh, another kid with a tapeworm was there. I I don't... Anyways, uh, Party Low is like, never you fear. These, the, they're coming. Suddenly the house is bopping, full of kids. Mandy is super lame, uh, approaches kids at the party and starts talking about history with her guests. Okay. Uh, one of the massage therapists here say, uh, say that massaging the big show is like massaging a bridge. Cassie pops in, uh, and states that it looks like two rhinos, uh, are, are being transported for surgery. I don't know. She's, they're getting rubbed down. It looks like two rhinos that are about to be, do we massage rhinos before we transport them? Anyways, she's about to sell that haunted house. Hopefully she's disclosed, uh, that it's haunted. And again, to disclose something as haunted uh, is a farce. Uh, what she needs to actually disclose is that the previous tenant passed away in the house. Uh, the, there is no evidence of the house actually being haunted, I should mention, in, in six episodes here. Uh, yeah. Big Show is bummed again as his wife has to do work. Uh, Mark Henry says, we'll have some fun. And fun arrives uh, in the form of Mick Foley and Rikishi. So we got a lot of a lot of beef uh, on screen here. We got Big Show. We got Mark Henry, the world's strongest man. We got Rikishi, Mick fucking Foley. Uh, a giant seafood tower is delivered to the room. Big Show allows them each one shrimp, uh, and he leaves to FaceTime his daughters to make sure they're not holding really lame parties in his house while he's not there. Uh, the the boys left in the room say he said we can only have one shrimp, but he didn't say anything about the crab. As they proceed to eat all of Big Show's food. Back at the party. Mandy's being interviewed by an influencer. Mm-hmm. That's, yep. Uh, Taylor comes up. Taylor Swift comes up. Of course, they are secretly dating. Uh, Mandy denies this. Uh, and they put up the facade of uh, being enemies. Rivals. Bitter rivals. It's time for FaceTime. Everyone hides. The party hides. Uh, Taylor Shift shows up with a posse of people after this successful FaceTime diversion. Uh, and party, I mean, here we go. Taylor Swift's at your party. He's uh, You're crushing on him. You've been kissing on the roof. Now what? Back to the wrestlers on the cruise. The only set we see on the cruise is this little balcony outside a, uh, a room. Like, just like a, like a railing and a white wall with a door. And then the inside of the room. That's the only cruise sets we see. Wrestlers have eaten all the food. Uh, they enjoyed the band. Apparently a band showed up and sang Backstreet Boys. Uh, Big Show says that his day is ruined. Uh, Cassie, uh, who's feeling pressured by the Big Show, leaves. Mark Henry says it was a terrible idea uh, to bring your wife on a work cruise while she's busy. And also for your anniversary. That was a b- bad call. Uh, Rikishi and Mick Foley say he should have gone to France instead, and they mention multiple places where you can get delicious French crepes. The men brainstorm a way to fix the situation. Uh, an aha moment. How do we win back Big Show's wife for him? Back to the party. The kids have started arguing about straws and who is the wokest. Monica B., the influencer I mentioned before, uh, is is destined to crack the code on this whole Mandy situation, which is not really... I don't know what the situation is here. Mandy is like, you have a secret boyfriend or something running for president. She's like, she's got, someone's tipped this bitch off, uh, but she doesn't know quite what she's digging for. 
Uh, Mandy and Taylor Swift head to the roof. Lola cock blocks the situation, uh, saying that there is a nerd fight brewing downstairs, and we got to get this party back on track. Big Show, back on the cruise, apologizes to his wife, Cassie. The wrestlers present, Mark Henry, Mick Foley, and Rikishi, sing the Backstraight Boys. Uh, Cassie announces, oh, it's our song, except being sung by Mick Foley, Rikishi, and Mark Henry. They do a bad rendition uh, of I Want It That Way. I believe it was the song. Uh, anyways, back at the party, we are just the editing here. We are frantically uh, cutting between the two two scenarios here. Nerd fight over wokeness. I have written here. Food fight breaks out. Classic. Monica B at the top of the stairs outs the relationship uh, of Mandy and Taylor Swift. And I just have written here in quotes: "Your life is shattered." And I don't know what that refers to. I think Monica B is trying to. I I don't know if she's nefariously trying to get at Mandy here. Or she just it just craves the truth. She got people got to know. It's their business. All right, big stepsister uh, threw Mandy a huge party, uh, which already is I have written here as something that would like th- consider the amount of time uh, because time is kind of passing in real time in this show uh, that you you meet your big stepsister she moves into the house with you she throws you a big party so you can seem cool that involves a food fight plus a reveal of your secret boyfriend uh what more could you ask uh really big show and cassie are home yeah uh jj has a uh candy hangover there's a lot of jokes here uh involving jj having a headache or uh being lazy or suffering the effects of an alcohol hangover only you see uh, she ate too much candy. She didn't imbibe too much alcohol. Uh, this this party was very melbatose. It was uh, there was not there was a lot of damage. There was some food thrown around, but the house looks otherwise good. That uh, the the our expectations have been circumvented here with Lola actually successfully throwing a party that her parents would be otherwise unaware it happened, except for uh, Big Show saw it all through a camera uh i don't think he mentions he used the crocodile camera from outside uh but he he saw it all on some kind of oh a camera he placed on his title that's hanging by the door uh so jj uh i believe covered all the uh the cameras on the grounds but big show saw everything through his title i just imagine big show laying on a cruise watching a bunch of 16 year olds party in his house uh that's the end of the episode cold open for the next episode uh, Cassie is in a local commercial. Uh, pretty good spoof here. I have written here. She's saying she can sell your house to racist uh, if it's full of racist ghosts. If it's full of raccoons, uh, sells distressed houses. Uh, family editorializes her commercial, and uh, that's where I hit pause as my weekly quota of having to watch the Big Show show uh, had been fulfilled at this point. Total Bellas, Season 5, Episode 7. You can watch this on the E! Network or don't. Uh, the recap uh, shows us that Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, as he's known on this show and in real life, uh, their relationship continues to deteriorate as they don't have enough alone time or priori- prioritize each other's relationship. Uh, Artem and Nikki, uh, we recap their quote-unquote fight uh, from last week. And, uh, of course, Nikki had a pregnancy scare, which is how we start this episode. Uh, and everything else uh, in this, uh, I just have in quotations, pregnant moody bitches. Uh, but it turns out that they were just being uh, catty sisters to each other. Uh, for the last, like, ten minutes of this, I was just making, like, calf fight noises uh, between the two sisters here. And this episode is is 
best described as filler, as nothing really comes of uh, of this installment. Anyways, Nikki presents Artem with an unpeed on pregnancy test. Uh, she has yet to take it. Artem asks her if she is feeling, are you feeling pregnant? Well, are you, punk? Uh, Artem follows Nikki into the bathroom, as do we, and we all get to listen to Nikki pee on the pregnancy test. If this is your fetish, this is your episode. Artem offers uh, to use the light on his phone to illuminate Nikki's privates uh, so she can better see where she is spraying uh, her urine on the pregnancy test. Whole family's on a conference call as the test is revealed to be negative. Artem is visibly bummed. Uh, Nikki is relieved. Nikki thinks it's too fast, doesn't even know what his thoughts are on being a father, having a family. Artem, uh, as far as, as long as we have known him, which is seven episodes of the show, uh, has been very straightforward saying he is a family-oriented guy, he would love to have kids, uh, and the idea of Nikki being pregnant in the short amount of time it is presented to him, he's like, well, if she is pregnant, I have a... Great. That's on the checklist. It's a little ways down the list, uh, but here we go. Nikki... Um, yeah. Anyway, taking over, taking over the world. Title break. We head into Bree and Nikki exercising, discussing Bree's marriage. We cut to Phoenix, Bree and Daniel Bryan's house. Uh, Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson. I will refer to him as both things in this. Uh, Daniel Bryan is watching YouTube tutorials on how to braid hair as he wants to be a better father and be able to braid his daughter's hair. He's using Bree in this scenario to practice his braiding. A uh, lighthearted moment turns into a small argument. Daniel Bryan is upset that Brie seems bored in their alone time. Uh, and everything becomes about Nikki or about something else. She can't simply live in the moment and hang out with Daniel Bryan. Uh, and Daniel Bryan hates that. Uh, and they just get very passive-aggressive at each other. Artem and Nikki are together at Brie's. Uh, they are staying there as Nikki's house, which is located directly next door, is being finished with Renos. Artem lives in Los Angeles. Uh, and because Nikki has to go back and forth from Phoenix so much, and they like to live together and bang, uh, presumably, when they can, uh, they, they live together uh, in, in Bree's house during this episode. Nikki says their sex life has suffered. Artem's response to this is try to immediately have sex with Nikki, uh, and they stumble into another room and close the door and presumably get it on. We are uh, out to a Phoenix restaurant. The whole crew is here. Uh, Bree, Nikki, Daniel Bryan, Birdie, Artem. Uh... Artem has a gig in London. Get this. He has the most Botafuku steps. Joey Botafuku? I'm probably not saying that word correctly. Anyways, he has a Guinness World Record for the most steps in a certain amount of time or some shit. Uh, and he's got to go to London to defend it, or so he thought, as someone tries to challenge his world record. Uh, at the point where I have to fly 14 hours uh, to defend how many dance steps uh, I can do in 30 seconds, I'd, I'd probably say fuck it uh, and just stay home with Nikki. But uh, Artem doesn't have a lot else going on here, having uh, being fired from Dancing with the Stars, is on his way to London. Uh, th some talk at the table here between the sisters, uh, some talk about teaching Brian uh, to dance, and in turn, Brian could teach Artem how to wrestle. I don't. Uh, Artem wants to connect with Brian. He's, he's trying. Artem's always trying. And he's trying on behalf of Nikki. The two girls uh, here, who have a very close relationship, being twins, business partners, etc., uh, they... Uh, think it's really important for Artem and Brian to get along if if Artem ends up being a long-term thing, uh, that they want these two guys to be super bonded as well, and it's just not going to happen. Here's the here's the deal. And this goes for men and women in relationships. Uh, if you have a really long-term uh, friend, 
uh, and then you get a girlfriend, then he gets a girlfriend. The best you can hope is that those two girls can stand one another. Forcing them to hang out or to be friends is a, is f- fucking ridiculous, uh, which is kind of what's happening here. Also, both these guys are super decent guys that are perfectly outgoing and get along. Artem and Daniel Bryan could be in a room together uh, for any period of time. Hell, Artem is living in Daniel Bryan's house, and Daniel Bryan's perfectly cordial to him, and they have a respect for each other. They don't need to be best friends. They don't need to hang out beyond that. Uh, the girls don't seem to get that. Artem seems here to be reaching uh, on behalf of, of Nikki's request and asks Brian to go fishing. Brian, who of course is a long-term vegan, uh, goes into a speech here saying he sees himself as the fish. Imagine what it'd be like if he tried to take a bite of a sandwich or something and uh, was pulled by a, a string for what seems like forever, uh, only to be thrown in a bucket of water. Of course, the opposite of a fish who is taken out of the water into an environment where it cannot breathe. Never suggest going fishing with a vegan. We get a phone call here. Nikki's house has been delayed three more weeks. An awkward, awkward, awkward uh, situation here as uh, it is more or less implied uh, that Nikki and Artem would be able to stay in Bree's house uh, for this uh, period of time while the house is completed. In a talking head, Daniel Bryan reveals uh, that while he has no problem uh, with, with Nikki and Artem staying, they have been staying so much uh, that their presence really, he feels, hurts he and Bree's relationship even further. On the drive home, Brian complains about lack of alone time with his wife. Passive-aggressive fight begins uh, as these two continue to drift apart, both Bree and Daniel. Brian. Artem and Nikki are... Uh, Artem is packing for his trip to London. Uh, Artem wants to connect with Brian, but no common ground uh, between those two guys. Uh, as again, it's implied here that Nikki is encouraging Artem as Bree is encouraging Daniel Bryan. Hey, go hang out with that guy. Become his twin brother. Uh, or something like that. Uh, it's just not. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, and that's fine. It's it's very weird. Uh, but like I was trying to say here is like the best you can hope, and that goes for girls. Uh, girls get boyfriends. Your th- those boyfriends have to hang out while you're hanging out with your friend. Maybe in a restaurant scenario, you're going out. Uh, you know, meeting up for for your frozen yogurt. The best you can hope for uh, is that those people can get along and don't hate each other. Uh, about the middle you can hope for is they are completely cordial to each other, uh, get along, and the best. Uh, case scenario, those two people end up being friends. Uh, and I'm not even saying necessarily outside of that circle of friends, but when that group gets together, uh, it's very comfortable. Uh, and that can can happen over time. Artem and Nikki have been dating for under a year at this point, according to a quick aside, and I think that's the first mention in seven episodes of how long this relationship's actually been going on. Um, but uh, that's where we're at. Anyway. Bree and Nikki uh, are getting prepped for a shoot. They got all stuff all over their face. They're getting their nails did. They're getting their hair did. Nikki uh, says to her uh, makeup artist, she'd love a baby, uh, but it freaks her out. Nikki is worried, of course, that if she waits too long, it might become more difficult to have a baby. Phoenix, at the Danielson house, uh, electronic music plays uh, over this scene as it's just Brian and and Birdie, his daughter, coloring. They're just coloring in a book, and the music's like, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, Bree brings in a calendar covered in colored dots, uh, showing where Daniel Bryan and Bree's schedules are, and how few uh, days actually line up for them to take a a date night. Bree reveals here uh, that she does miss date night and doing things spontaneously. All right. Nikki is here again. Uh, She arrives at Bree's house after driving from Los Angeles with bags, leaves them right in front of the door, and this appears to be the catalyst for setting Bree off on the scene. She's in an absolutely awful mood. Uh, Bree notes that Nikki has eaten Bree's lunch, uh, some turkey that was in the fridge. Artem is flying in from London. He's coming straight to Phoenix, and we'll pick him up. 
And uh, there is just tension in the screen scene, rather. Not enough groceries, uh, Bree says. Uh, she talks about having to do laundry, not being ready for Nikki to have shown up, even though Nikki said uh, that she would be arriving that day. She wasn't specific about arriving early, uh, and that Bree is taken unaware, and uh, th- just a fight here. Uh, these two, the just bitch mode, uh, as as I think Nikki calls Bree at some point here, uh, or something. Anyways, uh, they start fighting over dirty dishes. And uh, that's what you want when you, you come to live with someone for some extended period of time. Is the first thing you do is you beat them to the door. You came a little early. They come through the door fucking yelling at you. This is awful. Uh, but apparently they're sisters and this is just how they interact sometimes when they're in a bad mood. Anyways, still in Phoenix. Uh, Bree, Birdie, Daniel Bryan at a plant store. Uh, a ticker shows up at this point during my uh, during my recording of Total Bellas to tell me that Ashley Olsen's filed for divorce. Uh, Bree tells Brian... He hasn't been engaging with Artem. Going back to what I've already been saying, that this should not be something that's expected of Daniel Bryan to do. Uh, she asks him to put in some effort and find time for Artem. Daniel Bryan thinks this is fucking ridiculous. Is All he's complained about is uh, them finding time for each other. Never mind a strange man. Artem is back from London. Uh, he, he's in a fucking foul mood because apparently he just had to go there to be like, yes, I am the current holder and this is what I did. Doesn't get a chance to try to defend his title uh, against this guy who presumably broke his world uh, record and things are looking down for Artem. Not a father, doesn't have a job, Guinness Book of World Records uh, record taken away from him. Nikki promises him sex after dinner. So that probably helps at least a little bit. Caviar is served as Nikki is fancy. Uh, she asks Artem to take pictures of her to make Brie jealous as Brie after their fight, will no doubt be looking through her Instagram and seeing her eat uh, caviar at a fancy restaurant, will no doubt make Brie jealous. Uh, She asks Artem straight up if he'd stay with her if she couldn't have kids. Uh, After a commercial break, Artem answers that he doesn't know. Family's very important to him, uh, but he he can't possibly uh, theorize uh, what the situation would be like uh, if that was actually presented to him. At this point, Nikki reaches for a glass of wine that a waiter is also trying to grab to fill up, and the waiter full-on dumps a glass of wine on Nikki's tits. Soaking her dress, Nikki says that she prefers to stay wet. <clears throat> Daniel Bryan and Brie are cooking all the eggplants. I uh, hope you didn't need any eggplants, because Daniel Bryan and Brie have them all. Uh, he has planned a trip for them, just Brie and him. Uh, Mama Bella will come and watch young Birdie. Uh, so they can have some alone time on a trip just around Phoenix. Uh, of course, a little bit of a reprieve here in their arguing as Dan Bryan realizes, hey, I'm on the road all the time. I want some quiet time at home. Uh, Bree very much wants to get out and do something, wants it the way it used to be. But as both these people have different priorities and are currently coasting, doing the things they need to do uh, with less and less time together, uh, disaster will strike. And by disaster, I mean we know that they get pregnant with their second child. So I'm assuming this is all just a big work. Whatever. Anyway. Daniel Bryan and Artem are working on a Zen garden in the backyard as Bree wants a place to do yoga, meaning Daniel Bryan is digging up trees uh, and doing some major work in the backyard. Uh, they bond over dissing their significant others, the twins. Uh, and again, Daniel Bryan and Artem are two dudes that get along perfectly. I would put them somewhere just north of that middle thing I said earlier where... Uh, middle case scenario, these guys get along, don't mind each other's company. Uh, they don't consider each other friends, uh, but they are perfectly cordial to each other, respect one another, uh, will work on things like this together, and can joke around together just like two human beings. Uh, and that's perfect. Nothing more needs to come of that unless they decide it does. Right. Uh, Brody comes out 
starts accusing people of needing to go poo-poo. Daniel Bryan thinks this is hilarious and starts saying it back to her as well. Nikki looks over the fence, a floating head over this big cement wall. Uh, she brought a sandwich for Artem and they kiss. Uh, Brie says she needs to go talk to her sister. Daniel Bryan's like, yeah, I'll watch Birdie. Birdie, here, hold this drill. Uh, it was actually pretty funny. Uh, Brie and Nikki hash things out on a swing set. Brie apologizes by saying she didn't mean what she said, therefore an apology isn't necessary, but says sorry anyways. And the credits play as the two make up. Next up, next week, or whenever the next episode is, Nikki, um, what do I, oh, Nikki's house is done, thank God. And Artem wants to marry and have uh, babies with Nikki. Nikki doesn't know if she's ready for that, even though in the first episode of the season, she asked Artem to move in with her. Uh, Nikki is suddenly unsure uh, about all this. Uh, it's kind of contrary to what we've seen of Nikki in previous seasons, where she was fully ready to settle down with Cena and have kids, get married. Uh, but had, you know, Cena didn't want kids. Cena didn't want marriage. Um, whereas Artem really does. Uh, and, and maybe that's the, it's the two extremes. Uh, who knows? Nikki's got some, uh, stuff in her life and she's got to work, uh, work through it. Anyway, uh, that's it for Total Bellas episode seven. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you haven't heard it already, go back to this previous Friday's public beta podcast and give that a listen. If you want to interact with the show, you can comment anywhere this thing is listed, but titsiceberg.podbean.com is where this is hosted primarily. You can listen to all our shows and some of our backlog at titsiceberg on Twitter. You can hit us up. Leah Tissyiceberg.com gets you to my email. Thank you for listening. As always, we'll be back again next week with uh, some video game talk, some pro wrestling talk, and uh, yeah, the go-home show for AEW Dynamite going into Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening, and that's the Sultans of Slayer and welcome to